Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at IASLC.org in the news section. Hi, I'm Dave Mesco, Chief Executive Officer at the IASLC. Welcome to a special edition of Lung Cancer Considered, where I'll be having conversations with the three candidates running for the position of IASLC President-Elect. Now, we are joined by Dr. William Travis, attending thoracic pathologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Dr. Travis has a special interest in thoracic neoplastic and non-neoplastic lung disorders. Dr. Travis has worked on classification of thoracic disorders and was the lead editor on the fourth edition of the 2015 WHO classification, Pathology and Genetics of Tumors of the Lung, Pleura, Thymus, and Heart. He is the director of the ACGME Accredited Thoracic Pathology Fellowship Program at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Travis. Thanks to you, Dave, and to ISLC for this opportunity. So, Dr. Travis, I wonder if we, you could start by sharing with our audience what led you to focus on lung cancer. Thank you, Dave. The area that initially fascinated me in thoracic pathology was non-neoplastic lung disease, particularly interstitial lung disease and pulmonary vasculitis. I have worked closely with pulmonologists, radiologists, and pathologists in these areas where a multidisciplinary approach has been the standard of clinical care for decades. This taught me valuable lessons. It trained me as a pathologist to think like a clinician. In chairing the 1999 WHO classification of lung and pleural tumors, I first learned about how to lead an international classification. However, when I saw how much difficulty pulmonologists were having diagnosing and managing inflammatory lung disease, this led me to the realization that no such standard classification existed for these disorders. So I proposed to the ATS and ERS a project working with pulmonologists, radiologists, and pathologists that resulted in the 2002 ATS-ERS classification of idiopathic interstitial pneumonias. This, including a 2013 update, has been the standard for clinical practice for the past 20 years. For me, this became the bridge to incorporating a multidisciplinary approach to lung cancer classification. So we began to introduce multidisciplinary aspects in the 2004 WHO classification. However, when we developed the 2011 ISLC ATS ERS lung adenocarcinoma classification and the 2015 WHO classification, we made the multidisciplinary approach a major focus, and this is now the standard in lung cancer. After moving to Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in 2005, I experienced a wonderful multidisciplinary environment working with medical oncologists, thoracic surgeons, molecular biologists, radiologists, and pathologists. These colleagues had participated in the discovery one year previously that EGFR mutations were a marker for responsiveness to tyrosine kinase inhibitors. Not only was this the start of a major revolution in lung cancer, but also dramatically heightened the role for pathologists. It also drove me to lead the 2011 lung adenocarcinoma classification. Historically, pathologists had not been so integrated into therapeutic decisions, but this classification formed a multidisciplinary bridge between pathologists, scientists, thoracic oncologists, surgeons, and radiation oncologists. 
This classification impacted management of small biopsies in advanced lung cancer patients, not only for diagnosis, but also to manage these tissues for molecular testing. It also identified for the first time a novel, prognostically significant approach to histologic subtyping of lung adenocarcinomas in resected specimens. This has been validated in many studies from all over the world, has improved clinical care of lung cancer patients, and has opened many exciting avenues of research. This project was a perfect opportunity to express my multidisciplinary and global view of thoracic oncology. This paper is the most highly cited article ever published in the Journal of Thoracic Oncology. ISLC is not only focused on lung cancer, it is also facilitating advances in thymic tumors and malignant mesotheliomas. Similarly, I have focused on these tumors as well and, established, and helped establish multidisciplinary and international collaborations on their classification and staging. I'd like to acknowledge my wonderful mentors, including Dr. Shimasato, Gazdar, Brambila, Rush, Remiporta, Asamura, and Scagliati. Thank you, Dr. Travis. I, I wonder if you could expand um, based on your experiences in the classifications and, and your relationships built over many years in the field and, and other observations of the field and, and share with the audience you know, what you see as the greatest challenges and what plans you have to address them in the field of thoracic oncology today. When we started the ISLC strategic planning process, we saw the need to reshape the way early detection and treatment is delivered for thoracic cancers. This includes molecular targeted therapy, including resistance mechanisms, immunotherapy, neoadjuvant therapy, and improving our staging and pathology classifications. We also recognize the challenge of the increasing lung cancer incidence worldwide. This requires improved methods of prevention, tobacco control, early detection, diagnosis, treatment, and also healthcare policy changes. There's also a need for progress on tumors that have lagged behind, such as mesothelioma, thymoma, thymic carcinoma, and small cell carcinoma. ISLC has sponsored several meetings here in New York on small cell uh, lung cancer, and there's a mesothelioma meeting here in July. Another important challenge is to disseminate information about recent advances in thoracic oncology to medical oncologists and community physicians. This is particularly needed in under-resourced settings around the world. One approach to this would be to develop an electronic toolkit, either app or web-based that informs the latest therapeutic options for patients with advanced lung cancer given their specific profiles. This will be an increasing issue as treatment options continue to increase, and this could reach physicians all over the world. Early stage disease prevention and treatment offers the best hope for decreasing lung cancer mortality. Thus, it should be a priority for ISLC to focus on efforts to increase early detection of lung cancer taking into account differences in epidemiology and healthcare systems across the world. In addition, efforts are needed for tobacco control to reduce smoking prevalence globally. Next comes the wave of integrating the developments in molecular pathology, targeted therapies, and immunotherapies with standard chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. In addition to current ISLC activities, we need to focus on translational aspects of integrating these therapies to advance the care of patients. This effort needs to involve training of fellows and young faculty to master these new approaches. As a pathologist, working with the ISLC pathology and staging committees, 
I will continue to work on topics that directly relate to surgical and molecular pathology. As chair of the ISLC Staging Prognostic Factors Committee of the Lipidic Ground Glass Subcommittee, we are working with thoracic surgeons, radiologists, and pathologists on the spectrum of CT and pathologic correlations in early lung adenocarcinoma. The goal is to clarify the newly proposed spectrum of in situ, minimally invasive, and invasive adenocarcinoma. On this topic, ISLC can help provide better guidelines for diagnosis and management of small early stage lung cancers, defining the optimal patients for limited resections by minimally invasive means. With new technologies such as artificial intelligence, we are already seeing breakthroughs in improving the diagnosis of lung cancer by CT. Thank you, Dr. Travis. With these challenges that you outline in mind, and in particular, the role IASLC could play in solving those challenges, I wonder if you could share with our audience um, and, and highlight your qualifications um, and interest in serving as IASLC president and why you are best qualified to serve in the role. As ISLC president, I would devote my attention to several key topics as just reviewed without losing focus on any one area. Working with other colleagues, I have successfully used this approach throughout my career in very productive ways. As a longstanding member of ISLC for 26 years, I've served in multiple roles. I'm not sure all our membership is aware of this, but during my term on the board of directors, the ISLC started a strategic planning process where we worked hard to clarify our mission and think about how we can make the society better. Having previously led the Fleischner Society through a strategic plan as their president, I learned the importance of this process. So it was natural to volunteer to be the lead board of directors member to help launch a strategic planning initiative. This required an enormous amount of energy, time, and diplomatic skills as this process delved into some controversial issues. A calm demeanor was required to help navigate through some challenging discussions and some misunderstandings to bring colleagues together with the realization we were working together to make ISLC stronger and to build its future. As an ISLC board member, I was also an energetic board liaison to the membership committee. During the term of my tenure in this role, the ISLC membership almost doubled. While this growth happened for a variety of reasons, uh, the membership committee made significant contributions, and it was a valuable perspective to learn the strengths and weaknesses of ISLC. Another valuable experience learning how the ISLC contributes to thoracic oncology has been the opportunity to serve on the pathology staging and bylaws committees. Through the first two committees, we've been able to define major classifications of lung tumors and TNM staging. Scientific leadership that will benefit me as the society's president include opportunities to build consensus among international multidisciplinary experts through the ISLC, uh, the World Health Organization, the ATS, and ERS. These experts often had divergent opinions. However, working together, we developed guidelines that became international standards, including the 1999, the 2004, and 2015 WHO classifications of lung tumors, and the 2011 lung adenocarcinoma classification by the ISLC, ATS, and ERS. I've also had the privilege of having an editorial role for the ISLC's Journal of Thoracic Oncology. 
working with the editor-in-chief, I think we can further strengthen our flagship journal, which has remarkably risen to an impact factor over 10. Our now annual meetings are a critical element of ISLC mission. In my role as a many-time member of various program committees, as well as a member of the board of directors, I've had a front row seat to seeing what can be improved at our world congresses. This experience will help inform my term as president. Additional valuable preparation for a role as president is my experience on the executive committees and as president in four other medical societies, including the Fleischner Society. I also learned how to best build a strong medical society in playing an instrumental role in founding the Pulmonary Pathology Society, which thrives after 25 years since its start. I have also seen up close the importance of financial responsibility when I observed that two of the societies with which I was affiliated at one point were on the brink of bankruptcy. This taught me valuable lessons on how financial matters must be taken seriously in leading an organization like ISLC. One mark of my leadership of other societies is that they were always left in a very strong financial position after my tenure as president. In fact, as president of the Fleischner Society, working with industry sponsors, I coordinated the largest fundraising effort in the society's recent history. My academic endeavors speak for themselves with many productive scientific publications in high-impact journals and major textbooks. Dr. Travis, thank you for sharing more of your qualifications and interests in serving as ISLC president with our audience. And also thank you for your service to ISLC over these past many years. You touched earlier in, in one of your answers about the importance of a multidisciplinary approach, a global approach. And I wonder if you could also share with our audience how you will ensure, maintain, and advance ISLC's commitment to being a multidisciplinary and international organization. Along with the rapid growth of the society, the scope of our activities has expanded with greater influence on the field of thoracic oncology than ever before. We have outgrown our infrastructure, and there is a need for further strengthening to meet the resulting new demands. One of the major issues that we face is meeting needs of many new members given the rapid growth. I believe we need to develop a structure of multiple assemblies within which the members can find a home. Now we have a variety of administrative and scientific committees. However, only a limited number of ISLC members can serve on these committees. There is an enormous untapped energy, wisdom, and knowledge in the membership. We need to create a better way for more members to contribute to the society and to grow within it. Most of us are members of other large societies that have such a substructure from which we can learn. Assemblies could have their own committees, including program, award, project, and nominating committees, giving young members opportunities to rise up to be future leaders. As president, I would be committed to helping ISLC develop a value and long-term membership by creating and nurturing an effective environment for collaboration research and knowledge sharing. Focusing on trainees, fellows, and young faculty and finding ways to better connect researchers and clinicians in a multidisciplinary way is critical to our future. The decision to add two board of director members, one from Latin America and another from allied health professionals, was an important step uh, demonstrating a commitment by ISLC to reach out and support these constituencies. 
Input from them can help our global perspective and better understand their needs. For example, in the past week, I've had discussions with two top thoracic physicians from Latin America, one oncologist and one surgeon. Both independently told me that they have no funding to do research and suggested Latin American directed ISLC research funding could have a great impact. ISLC can also benefit by exploring partnerships with other societies such as ASCO, ESMO, and AACR, as well as lung cancer societies from different countries. The 2011 Lung Adenocarcinoma Classification is a good example of a highly successful collaboration between ISLC, ATS, and ERS. It's difficult to apply cancer guidelines from Western countries to Asian patients, and in Latin American countries due to local differences. For example, lung cancer patients in Japan, China, Korea, and Taiwan are very different from those in North America and Europe. I propose we consider a series of multidisciplinary summits with key leaders from societies addressing thoracic oncology in the major regions of the world, beginning with Asia and Latin America. This can help our society to be a better global partner. A multinational junior faculty council could be a part of this effort, giving growth opportunities to our young members. In summary, I view this as a tremendous responsibility to serve you as ISLC members and the thoracic oncology community. As a pathologist and representative of a minority specialty, I see it also as an opportunity to help strengthen ISLC in new dimensions with a perspective differing from that of previous presidents with backgrounds mostly as medical oncologists with some thoracic surgeons. In conclusion, if you're an ISLC member and haven't already voted, be sure to do so. If you haven't joined ISLC, please do so. There's still time to vote and also to experience all the benefits of this great organization. Dr. Travis, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today and for sharing your thoughts and qualifications. It's been a pleasure to share these thoughts with you and all the listeners, including current and hopefully some new ISLC members. Everybody get out and vote. Thank you. As a reminder, voting is only available to active IASLC members and ends at 1159 Eastern Time on June 26th. Vote at directvote.net forward slash IASLC. I'm Dave Mesko, and on behalf of all of us at the IASLC, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more Lung Cancer Considered podcasts. And please, like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues.